0: Well, Merry Christmas. It is December 24th, 2019, and we are recording episode four of the It's a Wonderful Life Bible Study that uh, is the series we've been working on here at Knowing God with Heart and Mind of the Virtual Church Classroom at Shiloh United Methodist Church. It is uh, our pleasure to be with you again today with this continuing study of the the uh, christian tones that are found all over it's a wonderful life and uh we're in the newly revised ghm studio here because uh i did some work on the desk sort of that you, you we use and so we're We're learning together how it sounds different and how it's working and so forth. But in any case, we want to thank you for being with us. This is Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana, presenting the Virtual Church Classroom Study. In Lesson 4, we're going to talk about miracles. Bethany is with me, my beautiful daughter, and I'm Pastor Dan. Bethany, a 2013 Harris poll found that 72% of people believe in miracles, yet out of that same group, only 57% believe in the virgin birth, which is interesting because that would suggest that people are more inclined to believe that they could receive a miracle, but they're not so convinced that another person can receive a miracle. Mm-hmm um very curious i don't know what to make of that but it is uh it is fitting on this episode that we would consider how divine intervention really works because more often than not miracles are about timing <clears throat> and god's perfect timing is the thing and uh so we're going to see here uh kind of in reverse order as we go through this study we're going to start with the end and then work our way back a little bit with our video clips but right now we're going to look at the scene that uh you know usually ends up making people cry um but we're going to look at the scene that uh is george's answer to his prayer so let's see that right now
1: Hallelujah! Hello? George! Mary! George. Mary! Mary! George! Where are you? Oh, George! 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 Oh. Oh, let me George. touch you. Let me touch you. Are you real? Oh, George! Oh, well, George! You have no idea what's happened to me. you oh. have oh. no idea what happened. Come on, George. Come on downstairs. Quick, right. they're on their way. All right. Come on. Come on in here now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now you stand right over here by the tree. Uh-huh. Right there, and don't move. Don't move. What's happening? Oh, I hear them coming now. George, it's a, it's, it's, a Mary? Mary? it's a miracle. It's, it's a miracle. What's happening? Who's happening? Oh, Who's gonna come, Daddy? Who's, Who's Daddy? Daddy? I don't know. Come in, Uncle Billy. Everybody <laughs> oh, in here. George. Yeah. George. Yeah. George. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. oh, it wonderful? <laughs> so many things. Married to George. Married to. She told some people you were in trouble, with it they scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions. Just that George was in trouble. Another run on the bank. Here I go. Merry Christmas. Now don't cry. do There we are. The lion comes on the right. Lion comes off the
0: right. Now come You know the fun thing about watching a movie. You know, a bunch of times, as, as pretty much everybody who's listening to this, including us, has, is that uh, uh, you, you get to notice things you didn't see before. <clears throat> and I was just watching that clip, and I noticed that that uh, uh, Mary's mother, Mrs. Hatch, was right next to George, mm-hmm. grinning from ear to ear at his answered prayer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and that's that same lady that was just so disgusted with their, you know,
2: of all the guys that she could love
0: scene. Yeah. You know, she couldn't believe what a loser he was Mm -hmm. when there was a same Sam Wayne right out there. So I just thought, I just, for the first time, I noticed that Mrs. Hatch was right there next to George, grinning at his answered prayer. So, you know. Even even the mother-in-law came around eventually. Isn't that wonderful?
2: That might resonate with you a little. Uh,
0: nah, nah, nah. You never know. My mother-in-law might turn one of these in someday. I'm not saying anything <laughs> bad. I'm saying
2: that she appreciates you and loves you more and more every year. You can tell.
0: Yeah, that's true. She She didn't, you know, didn't always seem to know what to do with me. But I digress. So Mary <laughs> says, George, it's a miracle. It's happening right now and you know the main storyline of this movie is Divine Intervention. Mm -hmm. I know it seems to most people to be a movie that shows you that every life you touch is important and everything you do matters and but but the opening scene is people all over town praying for George Bailey and then God hearing and answering the prayer by calling uh, Joseph and saying, you know, hey, Joseph, we need to get something into the, into the works here. It's time to do something. A lot of people are praying for George Bailey. So so the whole gist of the thing is this uh, divine intervention. And, you know, it's it's pretty amazing, really. When you think about it, and um, the author of our Bible study from Brown Chair Books, Mister um was uh, pointing out to us in this lesson that uh, the the Virgin Birth is is such a thing that uh, you know a whole lot of people were praying for god's deliverance for israel you know that 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 people for generations had been praying that god would uh you know kind of complete the plan that god had promised all the way from abraham all the way forward and uh and the uh the prayer is about to be answered and there's that whole story of simeon who is one of those who had prayed and prayed for that to be answered and then Behold, he's not even going to live to see how it's answered, but he's got the baby in his arms, and uh, so the miracle of Jesus's birth is, in part, sort of mirrored in this story because it's a, it's a sign of a of a people with a desperate problem, mm-hmm. and at just the right moment. And by the way, have you? Ever given any thought to the fact that George's wife's name is Mary? Yeah. And in the end, she delivers the miracle, uh, completely improbable, unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's pretty cool. Excuse mm-hmm. me. So the next clip is uh, is about the prayers of the people Mm -hmm. so let's take a look at that the people are praying and uh they're this opening of the movie i owe everything to george bailey
1: help him dear father joseph jesus and mary help my friend mr bailey help my son george He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God, something's the matter with Daddy. Please bring Daddy back. Watch over him tonight.
0: I don't know why, but that scene gave me a little bit of a chill that time. Maybe because it never really isolated it, you know. Um, plus, I've never listened to it with headphones on, and you can kind of hear the music and and the the increase in the uh, the prayer. You know mm-hmm. the that uh, there's a there's a whole uh kind of cacophony of prayer by the time they get to the scene where the mm-hmm. the uh, where the lord is talking to Joseph about what they're going to do <coughs> excuse me um so what do you think motivated the people of Bedford Falls to start praying for George in that opening scene what did their prayers motivate them to do
2: well I think you know earlier in the day George had already started a downward spiral and they were seeing that like cuz I'm I'm assuming this happens after he's been at Martini's after he's gone home and yelled at the teacher over the phone and all of that stuff right and has gone back out um so they've seen that there's something up with George Maybe they don't know what the problem is yet, but they know something's bad. And he doesn't normally act like that clearly because they're all super concerned. So this isn't a normal reaction from him. Some of them might've even seen him going to Potter. Yeah. Which would have really thrown them off. Yeah.
0: It's a small town. I mean, everybody knows everybody's business, don't they?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and, you know, then, then, uh, then the question logically is, so what motivates us to pray for family and friends? You know, what what is it that drives us to pray for others? And I think you kind of missed the one thing that this question probably drives you to this next question, which is why do you do that in your own life for the people that are dear to you? <clears throat> what motivates you? I think it's a simple four-letter word. Yeah. Love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they love George. I
2: mean, that's the thing. This isn't just a random guy in town. This is someone that's incredibly dear to all of them. Yeah. By virtue of the fact that he that they're dear to him.
0: Right. He He has treated them with unconditional love sacrificial love and at a time when he needed help the most he is the subject of their prayers because of love so we have a special guest entering the ghm (laughs) studio right now my beautiful bride laura has uh, decided to join us um for this recording session and we were just talking about what motivated the people in Bedford Falls that uh that were seen at the beginning of the whole thing praying for George you know why why were they so motivated to pray for George and you'll have to speak up (laughs)
2: what did he do for them earlier in the movie he you know sacrificed his honeymoon money so you know they were gonna pray for him and do what they could do
0: for him that's right yeah just before you walked in we were just saying i mean it's love Mm -hmm. he had um, given unconditional love to the people in that community who would accept it. And all of a sudden it becomes clearest to them because the people uh, nearest to him are saying, hey, something's really wrong. There's a problem. And um, George, of course, never told his family what was going on. They just knew he was really upset.
2: But Billy knew because Billy's was kind of the catalyst. Of- right.
0: Well, you know, and and then, of course... George, even at his darkest moment, he didn't even throw Uncle, Uncle Billy under the bus. When mm-hmm. he went to Mr. Potter, he said, you know, yeah, I've misplaced, misplaced money. Like- and Potter knows exactly what happened to the money. And so he's he's amazed that, boy, there's a side story right there that isn't really part of the theme for this lesson. but But it's interesting because Potter knows better than anybody exactly why it's incredible that George said that he lost the money mm-hmm. because, and and you think, you know, that's just how cold Potter's heart is. Because even after hearing George selflessly take the blame and still he's unmoved, uh, unmoved by it. He well, still Potter says, I can't
2: imagine taking responsibility for anything that, that could damage him.
0: Yeah, you know, better to make others...
2: Make other people suffer.
0: Yeah. So, anyway. So, so uh, let's look at chapter 5 of the Gospel of Luke, starting at verse 17. It's a pretty familiar story with uh, Bible readers. It's one of those that always makes the top 10 list in, in uh, preschool and uh, grade school, Sunday school lessons. You know, it, it's one that usually gets on the flanagraph or whatever and uh it's
2: one that the kids always act out they yeah. love to act get to act it out
0: yeah so go ahead and tell us that story bethany
2: one day as he was teaching pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of galilee and from judea and jerusalem were sitting there and the power of the lord was present for him to heal the sick some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before jesus when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Hmm. How far am I supposed to go? Oh, that's good. Okay.
0: You know, what? what's really amazing uh, about that story and the thing that makes Jesus so... Um, I think what moves Jesus is their compassion for their friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what were the other people lined up at his door blocking their way? Mm -hmm. What were they there for? Or better yet, who were they there for? Mm -hmm. They were there for themselves, right? Yeah. I mean, basically. And at least that's the assumption in this case. Because the story makes a point of the fact that these guys for the sake of their friend
2: yeah because that's the thing like jesus said it says when jesus saw their faith like because you don't even know maybe the paralytic man had didn't think it would happen yeah but his friends cared enough to figure it like they got up on the roof with a guy on a a paralyzed guy on a mat. Like that had to have been some interesting maneuvering. Yeah. But they were determined. And that's what gets Jesus to do it is that Jesus is like, oh man, these people, like they care deeply and they think that I am able to do this.
0: So well, it's a, <clears throat> I think it's an important um, lesson for every believer because it is, I think the two-sided coin that Jesus is always talking about, which is faith and love. You know, that he's always saying, have faith in him and love one another. And when he sees people who at this point aren't as well informed about Jesus as we are, in faith and love, tearing a hole through the roof so they can take care of their friend. I mean that that motivated well, Jesus. They didn't give
3: up.
2: Mm-hmm. No. They they just kept going, you know, trying to get him to them mm-hmm. to Jesus. So they really, you know, they never gave up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good point. And so you know uh that's an important lesson that comes back to this final segment of it's a wonderful life is that uh uh that george's friends Mm -hmm. mary's friends are the are the ones who are the answer to the prayer you know um it's his family but it's mostly his friends His it's it's like um well, it's it's one of the best lines in the whole Wizard of Oz uh, story, where the wizard tells the tin man, you know, the size of your heart isn't so much measured by how much you love, but by how much you are loved. And this validation <clears throat> of George and his wonderful life has been expressed through the love of friends who come through for him in the clutch so um i guess that takes us to the next clip so let's let's look at this one um this is a segment where george prays so he's in martini's bar he's at his moment of complete desperation and he is uttering those words
3: of prayer
1: Oh, you're my
0: there's george's prayer and uh he tells god you know i'm not a praying man Mm -hmm. um and yet you know how would you describe george's prayer
2: i mean he does a pretty good job because he basically says i have no idea what's left for me to do i need you to show me what to do please (laughs) like And that's all he asks God. Like, he doesn't tell God, here's how you can fix this. Bring me the money. Right. He just says, show me what to do next. Yep. And then he gets his answer to his prayer, and he's like, this is the answer to my prayer. (laughs) This guy. (laughs) Which I love.
0: (laughs) So, what do you think motivated George to pray? I know that's kind of obvious, but if he's not a praying man.
2: Well, he says he's at the end of his rope. Like, he's out of options, and... I think even people who don't actively make God a part of their life, there's a point where you're at such a, like a moment of desperation that the only thing you can think of is, okay, no one on earth can help me. So I guess I need to ask for some divine intervention here. There's, Higher power. Uh,
0: there's an old saying that uh, was particularly popular during World War II, you know, there are no atheists in foxholes, you know. Um, when you're in a desperate situation, you'll call out to God. Um, that's that's kind of the the gist of it. Although I think George, um, you don't want to you don't want to underrate his faith here. Um, he's he's talking to God. He's even calling him Father in Heaven. And there's a, a a statement of faith in that, and a reality that. You know with george what you see <clears throat> boy i got the creeping cred this morning um with george you you see this um this person whose whose faith is more in action than in words he mm-hmm. doesn't pray um but he lives his faith but he lives his faith and and you know uh it's not as though praying is the thing that uh, that is so essential. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8, um, it gives a good example.
2: Mm-hmm. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and be seen by men.
0: Our moderately itinerant ministry life is we've lived in a few different kinds of places and we lived in a town for five years that was a lot like Bedford Falls it really was and I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna suggest that even though the movie doesn't say so I'll bet you anything that Henry F Potter went to church somewhere I'm sure that he found that it was good for business. In fact, I'll bet he and the bank president went to the same church. And
2: <laughs> Yeah, and they probably had that minister in their pockets.
0: I would say so, and I'm sure that they did all sorts of things for the church that were meant for them. And I can picture the type of church it is. I could even imagine a denomination, but because I'd rather not say... <laughs> I'm not going to say, and you'll just have to guess what I'm thinking of, but uh, I will tell you that I'm thinking Protestant. So, anyway, if you think about it, those are the kind of people who pray phony prayers, um, who make a lot of phony gestures in order to impress other people, <clears throat> and clearly the movie makes it clear to uh, plain to us that God does not... Is not impressed with words and actions that are meant for other people. Mm-hmm. God is impressed by the things we do for God and the things that we do for God. Well, sometimes they are for God because they're not against God. Jesus even said that Jesus said, if you're not against me, you're for me. And so if we look at the life of George Bailey, um, you know, at the end of the war, they wept and prayed and went to church and all of that. So there's an implication there that everybody in town went to church somewhere, if only to give thanks that the war was over. But, but George, um, I'm sure Mary made sure those kids grew up in church. I just know that she had them in church. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure George was in church when he wasn't out doing good deeds, <clears throat> you know, taking care of the people driving everybody to church yeah yeah he probably was driving the church bus or his car that old car of his was the church bus but the point is is that that george whether he did it out of a conscious devotion to god or just a subconscious belief that doing good looks like this He wasn't against God, so he was for God. Now, how do I know he wasn't against God? Because the people who do good deeds and pray loud, obnoxious prayers are doing it for themselves. They're doing it for others, which means against God. Mm -hmm. Because whenever you do anything that isn't directly uh, serving yourself or serving others for your sake then you're not against God. And, you know, if that makes sense the way I put that.
2: Well, other than when they all go to church (laughs) to pray on VE Day. Right. And that, like, those scenes, none of the prayers in the movie are visible or audible to anyone but us.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's not... I don't want to go off on a tangent, but as a pastor, it's worth saying that, you know, we don't, we don't do public prayer for show. Yeah. Um, there are acts of worship that we do corporately that are dedicated to God, but we do them in a public way because we're dedicating ourselves as a body to God. But the kind of prayers Jesus was putting down and the kind of action and activity in Religious circles that Jesus would not approve of are the kind that are clearly vain.
2: Well, I think what the reason I brought it up is because, like, when the people are pre- when the town people are praying, and his family is praying for him, they're not doing it because they see everybody else doing it, and they're like, "Oh, well, everybody else is praying for George." They're praying for him because they're genuinely concerned, and they want, right. they need, they know that the only intervention that is going to do anything is God's intervention, but. There was one of the questions a while back said, like, when you pray, do you just, do you stop at praying for them or do you take action? And I will say that one of the things that the movie does a great job of is showing you, like, prayer is super important. It's incredibly important. But the townspeople and we shouldn't stop there. We ask God for his intervention. We ask him for his guidance. But if there's something we can do to help and we know it, that might be our answer and so that you know the townspeople pray and ask for god to intervene and help george but then they also take action which i think is his intervention that's part of it because the townspeople come through for george but only after they've asked for god's help Mm -hmm. so
0: yeah so it's a combination and and you know sometimes when we pray we we start thinking about what we can do while we're waiting for god to answer and what we're thinking about, what we can do, may just be God giving us right. the answer, you know.
2: <laughs> so, it's, you know, I I don't think it's always a great idea to pray and then be like, all right, well, now I'm going to sit here because God's going to do something. Right. Because God, if you feel nudged to do something, it's probably because God is saying, you already have the capability in your hands to do something to help with what you're asking for help with.
0: Well, the... the Some of the miracles Jesus performs begin with something small. Um, In effect, the apostles are, are saying to Jesus, we don't have enough food for these people. You need to send them into town to get some food. And Jesus says, you feed them. And they say, Jesus, we don't have enough food to feed them and he says give me what you have Mm -hmm. and then the miracle happens and you know so that's kind of the nature of the thing so um there is a one other aspect that that our uh study book wants us to look at which is the whole uh intimacy that god has or desires to have with us um there are several places in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Mark, in the Book of Romans and Galatians, where we're told to call God Abba, which is roughly translated to Daddy or Papa, which is just a way of saying that, that God invites us, now that Jesus has saved us, into his family, and that we're not to think of him as this heavenly ruler, but as our Papa, as our Daddy, to imagine God loving us that intimately, and when Jesus, when Jesus, when George prays, he's he says, "Dear Father in heaven," I mean, he says it in a very affectionate way, and you can almost hear his Abba. Um, and I honestly think that in a way, when he's praying that prayer, he's he's it's like he's trying to talk to his father, mm-hmm. his dad you know, Peter Bailey would have known what to do or something, you know what I mean? So it's kinda like that. I it's it's not really stated clearly in the movie, but you must imagine that he often thinks about what would my dad do. He's you know, you gotta imagine that he's thinking about that frequently in the movie. And uh so George's answer to his prayer, uh isn't what he thought it was. And that's the segment we're going to look at now where we meet Clarence Oddbody, A.S. Two. Your lips
1: bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you a mind reader or something? <laughs> Well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody. AS2. What, what what's that? AS2? Angel, second class. Cheerio, my good man. What did what, you say just a minute ago? Why would you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, now, think, just things like that. Now, how do you know that? I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of an angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? <laughs>
0: What happened to your wings? I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. Hmm. Uh, what a great segment. I I got to say, if Clarence Oddbody, you know, is, isn't a saint at this point, he should be because... His whole patience and perseverance with George is pretty impressive. George says, Yeah, you look like about the kind of angel I'd get. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man.
2: <laughs> I love it, though, because George is like, You're the answer to the prayer. Uh huh. What?
0: Okay. Th- this, yeah. <laughs> I
2: busted lip was that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's pretty, you know, and, and I know we talked about this in the last episode, but I. I I marvel at how ugly the world got mm-hmm. in a short amount of time. Um from the moment that George's attitude shifts to desperation and anger and anxiety, all of a sudden he sees the world and I think that's what we're I think mm-hmm. that's what Capra wants us to do. Uh, all of a sudden, he's seeing the ugly side of the world. So yeah, the guy yells the at him for crashing into his tree. The truck driver tells him, "Get out of the way!" You know, yeah. And and George becomes negative, and he is hateful and cruel mm-hmm. to Clarence. You know, and so it's like as soon as as soon as he loses hope, mm-hmm. the world starts looking ugly to him. And so the underlying message is is that while you have hope the world looks okay.
2: Well, and I think just perspective is important. If you choose to be optimistic, things look very different if you choose I mean it's the whole glass half full glass half empty thing. If you choose to be cynical and negative, then you're going to see everything that way. So it's definitely I think yeah, hope I absolutely agree with you that if you lose hope, right. but just choosing how you're going to view the world is pretty important, and a lot of people choose to be cynical about it. You are not a cynic, but like last night when we were driving around looking at Christmas lights, somebody honked behind us, and we were like, "Oh, this guy's mad at us." And I said, "No, he was just waving to Santa. He's happy," and yeah. we chose to turn it a positive we, way, we, and we it reframed. made us feel yeah, it made us feel better.
0: We we reframed, although I'm pretty sure.
2: No, he was waving at Santa. I, yeah, I I'm absolutely sure, believe yeah. that's what it was. Because Santa was out there. So Well, and, but, and
0: you know, just as long as we're going down this rabbit hole, George's uh, George's decisions throughout his whole life have always been selfless. But he's always been disappointed and frustrated because he knew he was giving something up in order to do the right thing. And so this is not only the answer to his prayer, so to speak, but this is the answer to his, you know, he's worked this hard, done everything up to this point in his life, and now he's going to end up, you know, covered by this scandal, probably in jail, you know.
2: But I don't think anything up to this point, yeah, he was disappointed, but I don't think any of those things that happened up to this point killed his optimism about life. Because even, like, every setback that he got, like, like, him having to take over the building and loan. Yeah. yeah, And Harry going to college yeah. instead.
0: Well, he saw the he good still,
2: in it. He's still, he, and he was still going, okay, well, yeah, Harry's going right now, but I'll still go. Like, right. So he still maintained this very positive outlook on everything mm-hmm. until rock bottom hit. And then it was, like, almost like all of those past disappointments piled onto this one. And he was like, man, what am I doing?
0: Right. Right. Which is, I think, what I was driving at. So Sorry. no, you're fine. That it, it just proves that, uh, you know, the the point is more valid that way. So so basically, George has a completely unexpected answer to his prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you said a minute ago he didn't ask God to provide the money. Mm-hmm. He didn't say you know, uh, show us where Uncle Billy lost the money. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't say any of that. Um, but then at this point, when his prayer is being answered, he's thinking, well, that's not an answer. Right. There's no way this is the answer to the prayer. And so he has to be led through a life-altering experience in order to recognize how the answer to his prayer is really him that he is the answer to his prayer that 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 the the miracle is a sort of a foregone conclusion and the only one who doesn't know that is george because george sees this situation as being entirely dependent upon him and so if there's one thing george still has a problem with up to this point in his life is He's still kind of wrapped up in himself in as much as he thinks that everything depends on him. It's his decisions that save the day. It's his decisions that, that it's his sacrifices that make mm-hmm. uh, his brother's dreams come true. It's his sacrifices, uh, you know, that make him, you know, he, he's not proud, I don't think, but he's, he's still pretty much convinced that it's all on him and to the extent that he even takes the blame for the lost money and the answer to the prayer is for him to see that it wasn't about him in the first place that 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 this incident was a opportunity for him to see his life in the proper perspective and to recognize that it was the accumulation of all of his goodness that would bring about the answer to his prayer that it was the miracle was that others would be awakened to the fact that in their time of need george came through for them Mm -hmm. and now george is in a time of need and they've got to come through for him and they're motivated by love so the real miracle is the love Mm -hmm. And the love was already there so what George had to do was go to a place that he could not have imagined in order to get to a place that was already there
3: Mm
0: -hmm. it's kind of profound if you think about it anyway
2: (laughs) and all the while he's going through that transformation His friends and loved ones are trying to find him, for starters. Right. And they're basically mustering the troops. Yep. And he has no idea any of that is happening because, like you just said, he's stuck on him needing to be the hero and save the day. Right. And the day is being saved because of who he is.
0: So this brings us to our... You know, we're recording this on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And this episode is the second to last one in this study and we're reminded in the book that on Christmas Eve we remember how God's answer to the prayer of the people of the generations who needed a savior who needed a Messiah
3: Mm -hmm.
0: came in the most unlikely way Uh, a virgin mother a stepdad in a cave meant for animals, giving birth to a child who is so significant, mm-hmm. a son that is given by God, announced by angels, greeted by shepherds of the temple flocks. And by the way, those caves in the shepherd's fields were specifically for The birthing, they were used by the shepherds to bring the ewes who were about to give birth into shelter where they would be less vulnerable so that they could give birth to sheep, lambs, who would eventually be sacrificial lambs in the temple.
2: And those caves made it easier for them to contain the baby lambs and keep them from being injured or flawed.
0: And how is it... not ready
2: for sacrifice anymore.
0: That the Lord... Of all creation, the savior of the world, born in the same cave,
3: mm-hmm.
0: guarded by angels and shepherds. It's pretty an amazing story, and yet, at the time it was happening, only Simeon <laughs> recognized it as the answer to the prayer. Everybody else had to wait and see, and even then, most weren't convinced. Mm-hmm. And it's still that way today. So kind of an amazing story all the way around. Mm -hmm. And when you watch It's a Wonderful Life, see how many parallels you can recognize within the movie. So what do Clarence and Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 teach us? Well, and in what ways do you see God still intervening? Because that's what intervention, divine intervention really is. So to Hebrews 13, 13, 2.
2: 13, 2. I had myself a little dyslexic moment there.
0: That's all right.
2: Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels and without knowing it.
0: There you go. Clarence, odd body, looked like the kind of angel that George expected at a time like that. And it was, in fact, an angel. So that's a pretty amazing thing. And the Lord still intervenes today. And intervention means that things are going about as they must. And the only thing that interrupts a process that is inevitably going to run its course is intervention that's that's the very definition of a miracle and more often than not the miracle is the timing um, at the moment when George was ready to throw himself off the bridge intervention happens the rest is really just a lesson for George to learn if there is a divine intervention that is the exact definition of a miracle in the movie It is Clarence Mm -hmm. diving into the water at the moment when George was about to take his own life. Mm -hmm. At that perfect point of timing, there's an intervention. All of the rest of the story is really not a miracle of divine intervention as much as it is people filled with the spirit of love recognizing George's need and responding to it with prayer and action
2: yep
0: it's pretty pl- a pretty good place to drop off here mm-hmm. so um, this is usually where we do a round uh, roundup here so Laura do you have anything else you wish to contribute to the conversation? Nothing I can think of <laughs> okay well it's been nice having you in GHM studio. She's usually upstairs because our our studio is a is a shelf in a guest bedroom we have in our basement, and she's usually upstairs trying to keep noises to a minimum so that we don't get a lot of extra noise <laughs> in our in our recordings. And we told her she should come join the conversation. So thanks for doing so, and I didn't uh, contribute that much. well that's okay. You contributed quality not well, quantity
2: i was gonna try to get her to sub in for me this morning because my mouth was starting really bad but uh, i made it through
0: you know uh and and there's an invitation we keep telling people that they need to communicate with us and let us know that they're listening and we really don't hear from anybody i don't want you to feel guilty folks uh, but but I'm telling you the truth. We don't get any responses to our requests for communication. Mm-hmm. All we're asking is, is that you let us know you're listening. Now, those who tell us in church on Sunday, we really appreciate you. But for the ones who are listening who cannot join us for worship in Jasper, uh, it just means so much to us just to know that you're listening and where you're listening from. So please give that some thought and give us a ring. But I was just thinking, you know, um, if you live here in Jasper, you know you could sit in on one of these recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could sub in for Bethany or or me, I guess. You know, just just come and. Uh, well, Bethany.
2: Or, <laughs> I just made a face because I was like, I don't know how to run anything.
0: Okay, so maybe you sub. You could be a thir-
2: You could be a guest host along with us, or sub in for. That's
0: me. right. You you could you could help massage the microphone with your dulcet tones. That was
2: weird. That was. That
0: is <laughs> Now stop. We are recording here.
2: I know and it was weird.
0: No, that is an old time radio phrase. They will talk about the the tenor, you know, the the 1930s tenor massaging the microphone with his dulcet tones, you know, he's making it feel good in and consequently our ears feel good. It's just an old time radio thing and And anyway, we wish to thank you for listening, mm-hmm. and we would like very much to encourage you to communicate with us. And if you would like to participate in the discussion on the recording itself, uh, we're open to that. We can We can easily include you mm-hmm. in uh, like in a a FaceTime type mm-hmm. sitting. Uh, That's
2: how we used to make these recordings before I moved.
0: that's right and so you know if you want to join the conversation we can include you that way if you would like to sit in on one of these recordings and you live here in Jasper you're more than welcome and uh, the uh, only thing you got to do is let us know now that we've had this very fascinating discussion with its momentary diversion of absurdity (laughs) Let us say Merry Christmas, everybody. We hope you have a blessed Christmas, and we hope to join you again in a week or so of this recording. And if you are a real-time listener, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But for now, God bless you, and goodbye.